This message was recorded live at Elevate Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. As followers of Christ, we follow a God who was crucified, dead, buried, got up, walked out of the tomb, demonstrating that there's nothing that you and I can't walk out of. He doesn't love me based on my performance. God loves me based on my position. It matters so much that we imitate Christ and we live out those principles. There's nothing that you could do. There's, there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevateerie.tv. All right, so if you got your Bible, go ahead and open it up to Luke chapter 16. We're going to go through a lot of scripture today, so I encourage you to jot some of these texts down, these references down, so you can go back later and look at these. But today, we're kicking off a brand new series called The ABCs of Financial Freedom, and yes, we're talking about money. Woo! Man, such a great response. But I get it, right? Because I know that as soon as someone likes, like me, you know, starts talking about this subject right here, you know, everybody gets a little tense in the room. Or maybe you're here and you invited some friends and you're like, Colby, no, let's not talk about money, right? I invited my friends, you know, don't like, like, let's talk about anything but money. Let's, let's talk about sex again. We talked about that last week. Let's talk about that again. Let's, in fact, let's talk about that all year long. Some of you guys are like, yeah, I'm in. Um, listen. I get all of that. I get all of that. And you might say, man, let's talk about something spiritual. Let's talk about prayer. Let's talk about, about faith. And I'm with you on those. But here's what you need to know. The Bible talks more about money than prayer and faith combined. In fact, there are about 500 verses or so on prayer in the scripture, and there's less than 500 on faith. And there are over 2,300 verses in God's word about money and possessions. And so God's word has a lot to say about the subject, so I think that we should dive in and talk about it too, because here's what I know. Every single person in this room, you thought about money this week. There are couples in this room, you fought about money this week, right? You might have fought about money on your way to church today. Something busted this weekend, you know, water heater, whatever, and you're like, how are we going to pay for this? And, and you got into it. There are people in this room that you got divorced over this subject right here, money, money. Here's what I know. Bankruptcy and divorce go hand in hand. They are best friends. There's people in this room today, like you're freaked out about finances, and so it would be spiritual malpractice on my part not to talk about what God's word clearly has so much to say about. And just so you know, I'm not scared to talk about it. I don't apologize for talking about it. Like I've given my life to, to, to like preaching God's word and to this church, and it doesn't, doesn't phase me. I just think that God wants us to talk about all of his word. This is not a buffet. We don't get to pick and choose the parts that we like and don't like to talk about. And I desperately want us to live in the freedom that Jesus promises because when he died on the cross, he didn't die just to, to set us free, you know, to go to heaven one day. He died so that we could be free here and now today. And so many people are not free in their finances. It's this debt. It almost feels like prison doesn't it? It's this bondage. It feels like suffocation. Here's what I know uh, about debt. Debt will make you get up tomorrow and go to a job that you hate. Like, 
Not because you want to, but because you gotta pay the bills, right? It's not because you enjoy doing it. Debt will rob you of your joy. Debt will rob you of your peace. Debt will rob you of your hope. Debt will rob you of that abundant life that Jesus promised that you and I could have as long as we just do it his way. And so today, we're starting this series called Breaking Free. That's the title of today's Breaking Free, because many of you know what this feels like to not be free, to live in a prison of financial debt. And I love God's word because it is so, it is so relevant for us. It's almost as if God knew that this would be one of those areas of our lives that would have a, a, a hold on us. People are, are killed over this topic of money. People get divorced over it, right? People go to jail over this. People commit suicide over this, this topic right here. And rather than having money serve us, rather than money being a tool you know, for us to use, we are serving it. We are allowing it to call the shots. We are allowing it to drive us, and that is not freedom. That's bondage, and that's financial debt, and it's not what God intended for my life. That's not what he intended for your life, and I believe he wants us to experience freedom. So I'm asking you to hang with me for the next few weeks. And just really allow God to speak to your heart about this. And the first thing you need to know before we get one step further is that money is not neutral, it's spiritual. Write that down. This is a spiritual thing. This might be the most spiritual issue that you and I have to wrestle with. It's spiritual. Now, we talked about sex last week and how that was a spiritual thing. Right? It's one of the most spiritual events that happens between a man and a woman. It's something that creates this unbelievable bond. It's spiritual, and as long as you approach it God's way, right? You can, uh, you can do it God's way or you can do it the world's way. The same is true with your money. You can either have God's spirit on it or you can have the world's spirit on it. Now, I know as soon as I say that, right, that might be like, What? Like, what are you talking about? That's kind of, you know, a little, a little weird. That's a little, a little different. Sounds a little bit out there. But I want you to hang with me on this because how we approach this really makes all the difference in our lives. So I'm going to unpack some things in God's word today that's even new for me, that I've been really excited about sharing this with you. Um, it's going to be a little different than what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. Over the next few weeks, uh, we're, we're kind of basing a lot of the, the message material on this book right here, The ABCs of Financial Freedom, written by a guy named Barry Cameron, and we have uh, these books for sale at the Hub less than what we paid for them, because we really do want to help you out in this area, right? So they're five bucks. I think we got them for like $6.99 each. We just, we want you to grab one of these books and to go through it. In fact, we're also doing a, a three-week class on budgeting. Because what most people need are just these basic kind of budgeting principles, and it's taught by a Dave Ramsey specialist here in our church, and it's free. So every Sunday night for the next three weeks, starting tonight at 6.30, come and just, if you want to kind of, all right, man, we need some help on this as a couple, as a family, whatever it is, you come, we'll feed you, and we'll watch your kids, because that's how important it is to us that you really get a hold on this, that you can break free in your life, but today... It's going to start out a little differently than you might think. Um, so Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 9, we're using the, the King Jimmy, the new King James Version. Some of you are already like, oh, well, praise Jesus, finally. This church is using the King James Version. It's finally a church in here. Praise God. Um, 
listen, people always ask me what version of the Bible, you know, should I read? I'm like, the one that you will read. I don't care. Like, just grab one. Just consistently read it. But this is what it says. Jesus doing this teaching. He says, and I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. Now, there's a lot of times why we don't use the King James, right? Because, like, what does that even mean? This is one of the most understood or misunderstood verses in the Bible. And he's saying that, that you, you, you have this unrighteous money. That is money that doesn't have God's spirit on it, that has God's blessing on it. Use it to make friends, keep reading, so that when you fail, and you're like, that's not a good translation there either, because why would I want to fail? Who, who wants to do that? That's not what it means. It literally means when you die. So let me just quickly back up. We're going to take our money that's unrighteous, that that we're gonna use it in such a way that makes it righteous, puts God's spirit on it, and use it in such a way that makes friends so that when we die, they may receive you into an everlasting home. In other words, there's going to be a day that, that when you used it, this unrighteous mammon with God's spirit on it, there's gonna be this welcome party for you in heaven. That when you walk into to heaven, there's gonna be all these people there welcoming you going, hey, 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 like I... Thank you so much that the, when you used it the way that you did, like it made a difference in my life. Like that, that's what's gonna happen. There's gonna be this welcoming party in heaven that's saying, hey, when you, when you did that whole one-for-one one thing as a church and you paid for that single mom's car to get fixed, I was the mechanic that, that, that did the work and I, I, I couldn't believe the generosity of the church and so it made me question, made me have, have, have thoughts and so I attended church and because of that, you pointed me to Jesus and I received Christ as my savior and there's gonna be people in heaven going, thank you so much for what you did that you didn't even know about. That when you use this unrighteous mammon, money, and put God's spirit on it, used it in a righteous way, you made friends, that there's gonna be people thanking you for that. This church was just able to help plant or partner with our, our ARC planning, church planning association, two churches that I got to coach in, in Maine and in Boston. And like you had a part in that. They saw like 47 people between those two churches come to know Christ through their launch day last week. You had a part in that as a church. So you're gonna get to heaven and people are gonna say, hey, thank you so much for what you did. That's what it's saying. This is a, this is a powerful verse and it motivates the heck out of me. For like the way I need to live my life. And Jesus says, all right, since that's true, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. All right, so we're gonna come back to that. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Underline that word in your Bible. Uh, we're going to define what that means at the end. And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters. Jesus is saying this is a spiritual principle right here. It is a spiritual impossibility for you to, to serve one and the other. It's either it's, it's one you know, or the other, not and the other. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon. So let's look at this word, mammon. All right, we'll put it up on the screen. 
Because what I want to do is I want to teach you about this word for just a little bit, and then I'm going to preach at you for a little bit, because this message got a little bit of preach in it. So if you like a little preach, you like to holler back at the preacher, that's okay. All right, go for it. You can do that. Uh, I'll probably preach better if you do. Just lets me know that you're awake. Lets me know that you're, that you're ready for this. Uh, but let me teach you this word first, all right? Mammon, most translations don't use this word. Uh, your translation might say riches or money. Both of those would be incorrect. Unless maybe your translation, and some do, uh, capitalize the word money, all right? Because this is not talking about an object, This is talking about something else. This is talking about a proper noun. And the Greek word is the word mammonis. Mammonis, which is actually a transliteration, which just means that uh, where the people who were transcribing it couldn't find an English word that would make sense, you know, for this, they just used the Greek word in a kind of a different form. So they just took the word and said mammonis, and mammonis literally means the God of riches. That's what it means. This was the Assyrian God of riches. And the entire goal of this God uh, of mammon was to control people through money. Control people through wealth, through riches, through stuff, through greed. It's a spirit that rests on money. And Jesus is saying, here's the deal. Either my spirit's on it or the world's spirit's on it. Not both. It can't be both. And it literally, what mammon does, its goal is it wants to take the place of God in your life and in my life. That's the spirit of mammon. And you don't have to look very far to see that this happens in the world all over the place. That this, this greed, this love for money is destroying people's lives. It's controlling people. I'm telling you, money is ruining people's lives. There's a book written by James Patterson and P- Peter Kim uh, called The Day America Told the Truth. The Day America Told the Truth. It's an older book, but they did this survey of thousands and thousands of people where they asked questions like, hey, how, how many hours do you really spend playing, you know, Crossy Road at work, you know, or Flappy Bird or whatever those games are that people play, right? Like, they, they just got some real honest answers about that. Well, they also asked the question in that book, what would you be willing to do for $10 million? Like, I'm afraid to ask this church that. Like, what would you be willing to do, right, for $10 million? And here's the results of that survey. 25% said they would abandon their family. Peace out. I'm gone. 25%. In fact, you heard about the lady that won the lottery, $17 million. She called up her husband. She's like, honey, pack the bags. He's like, all right, where are we going? Cold weather or warm weather? You know, and she said, I don't care. As long as you're gone by the time I get home, just get out, right? That's not a true story, but it probably happened. Somewhere, like 25% would abandon their family. 23% said they would become a prostitute for a week or more. And in fact, out of that 23%, like if that that number was $10 million, it didn't change until the number went down to $2 million. So they'd be a prostitute for a week or more. 16% said they would give up their American citizenship. It's probably higher than that today, probably, I'm just saying. 10% would withhold testimony letting a murderer go free. 7% would kill a complete stranger. And 3% 
would put their children up for adoption. Some of you are like, I'd do that for free. I'll pay you. I'm just kidding, right? It's Child Dedication Sunday. We shouldn't say that. We shouldn't talk like that. But just look at that. Like, you don't have to look very far to see that that's the, the state of, of this nation that, that mammon has a hold on our lives. It's driving people. It's controlling people. We're operating under that. And mammon says, hey, 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 you know, you don't need God. You just need me. You need me, and he puts this love, he puts this appetite, this desire for, for wealth and riches in your heart. And when he does, he makes promises that he can't fulfill. Mammon will promise you things that really only God can fulfill. And I want to expose three of these lies, three of these promises that Mammon makes. The first one he promises you is security. In fact, there are financial funds called securities, aren't there? Like as long as you make enough money and you put this here, then you're going to be okay. As long as you, you know, you know, you'll have peace of mind if you, if you put your wealth here, if you accumulate enough stuff. And Proverbs eleven twenty eight says it this way, whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. So what do we do? We put our, get our attitudes right, we get our hearts right, and we realize that our security doesn't come from our finances, it comes from God alone. See, here, here comes the preach part. Like, my security is not, is not in Washington, D.C. My security is not in my bank account. My security is not in my job or my employer. My security is in my God and my God alone. My security, right, is not in my riches, but it's in God who richly provides for everything that I need. But mammon wants to lie to you and say you can only be secure. Only way is if you put your hope in this. So what happens, church, when your hope in that comes crashing down? Because it does. I had a guy mail me a letter this week from Erie County Jail who got so desperate, so locked into a corner, he tried to rob a bank. That's no joke, like for real. That's desperation. That's, that's, that's mammon driving and controlling and the Bible comes along in Hebrews and says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, and somebody needs to receive this, not, not in your mind, but in your heart today, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And when you can stand up in full confidence and say that, God's never gonna leave me, God's never gonna forsake me, we could say the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid, because what can man do to me? My hope is not in man's economies, because that's a moving target. My hope is in God alone, right? Because God remains the same. God is the same. But mammon wants to promise you security. Another promise mammon makes is if you'll serve me, if you'll love me, right, I'll give you identity. Write that down. Identity, right, because money makes you somebody. Like if you just have enough stuff, you accumulate enough things, then you're going to be somebody. And the result of that is addictions to spending, addictions to gambling. Like I see all the time people in country fair or wherever doing the lottery, doing the vending machines, and it breaks my heart. And I understand it can be a sickness. It's an addiction for many. Or it's just you're looking to find your identity in something else, in your wealth, in your 
riches. So what happens is we end up going out and buying things that we don't need, with money we don't got, to impress people we don't care about, right, at all. It's that whole idea of keeping up with the Joneses, right? And it's, it's, it's madness. And so Jesus comes along in Luke 12, and he says, beware, don't be greedy for what you don't have. Real life isn't measured in your stuff. It's not measured in how much we own. That's not where your identity is. But the world doesn't tell you that, right? The world tells you as long as you drive this car, as long as you have this house, right, as long as you, you know, have that watch on or whatever it is, then, then you're going to be good. That's your identity. But it, it's empty, and it leaves you unfulfilled. In fact, Jim Carrey, uh, famous actor, comedian, he realized this. When, when he was chasing after the three G's, you guys know what the three G's are? The gold, the girls, and the glory. And he was chasing that, and then finally realized that it all came up empty. And he said this, I hope everybody could get rich and famous and will have everything they ever dreamed of so they will know that it's not the answer. He realized it, that his identity wasn't in that. Well, okay then, Colby, where's my identity? Your identity is in God alone. The one who knits you together in your mother's womb, like these children we had up here. The one who formed you. The one who, who has a plan and a purpose for your life. The one who created you to do good works, right, in advance for Christ Jesus. That God. In fact, Psalm 139 says, David saying, you know, you knew me before I was even created. You knit me together. And he says, I know that full well. Some of you, you don't know that full well. And what happens when you don't know that full well, that God's the creator, that he's got a purpose and a plan for your life, mammon comes along and says, I got a plan for you too. Like I can make you somebody, and we all fall for this lie that mammon gives us identity. And the third promise mammon makes is happiness. We'll just be happy, happy, happy. Joy, 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 right? Like as long as we have money. And it's, it's way too simplistic for me to stand up here and say, hey, money won't make you happy. Because most of us would be like, I would sure like to try that theory out. <laughs> like let me get the opportunity to see, right? If I'm gonna be happy with that or not. But the wisest man who walked the earth next to Jesus in Ecclesiastes says this, those who love money, and again, notice that word before money. It says love money. Listen, it's not, it's not wrong to have it. It's wrong for it to have you. It's not wrong for you to hold on to. It's wrong for it to have this, this hold on of your life. He says those who love money will never have enough. So how absurd is it to think that wealth brings true happiness? You say, well, how then? Do I find happiness, all right? You tell me how I find identity. How do I find happiness? Well, Romans 4 says this. Happy are they whose sins are forgiven. Listen, I would rather be guilt-free than debt-free, right? I'd rather have this guilt, this, this debt-free of the soul where I can walk around with a clear conscience knowing that, that my sins have been forgiven, whose wrongs are pardoned. Happy is the person whom the Lord, like, declares Righteous, whom the Lord does not consider guilty. So if you walked in here this morning not happy, let me help you out. Let me let you be happy, all right? Jesus does not hold your sins against you anymore. 
Like that's the best news for you today. Like whatever you did in your past, whatever you're gonna do in your future, he does not hold that against you. He paid for it once and for all on the cross. All you have to do is surrender your life to follow him. And that's good news. That's the gospel. Only Jesus can make you happy to truly have joy. And it's the greatest feeling in the world to have this freedom in your conscience, to have this freedom in your heart. And mammon's gonna lie to you. And mammon's gonna make you promises that only God can fulfill. So here's what we tell ourselves. Well, all right, the answer is I gotta make more money. And that's, I'm for that. Like, make a bunch of money, do it. That's awesome. Make as much as you can. That's great. Like, I'm not against that at all. Make, make, make money. In fact, there's no magic pill, right, to getting out of, out of debt. You gotta spend less money than, than you make. So go out and make more. Or you might say the answer is to get, get things in order, and we're gonna talk about that, that the order is important, and I'm all for that. I'm just saying we need to make sure that the right spirit's on it. That God's spirit is on it, not mammon's, not the world's spirit. And some would erroneously overact, overreact to this teaching. And some churches would teach what I, what I call, and it's in my opinion, uh, you don't have to, to buy into it or not, but this whole prosperity thing. We're like, it's this name it and claim it kind of thing. Like, Jesus wants you to have that Lamborghini. So just name it and claim it. Blab it and grab it, right? And it's yours kind of deal. But that's a lie. That's not what God's word says. Does God want you blessed? Yes, he does, absolutely. But he never wants you blessed so that you can have more, so that you can build bigger, so that you can do more. He wants you blessed so that you can be a blessing to others. He wants you blessed so you can leverage all that he's given you to make the biggest difference and impact in this world that you can make. To use that unrighteous mammon, right? to use that, that, that unrighteous money that doesn't have God's spirit on it, to use it with God's spirit on it, like to make friends with it so that one day when you get into heaven, you'll see those people that are saying, thank you so much for the way you use that. You made the biggest impact in my life and you never knew it. Another extreme people will go to, you know, they want you to embrace this whole idea, well, my solution, I'm just gonna be as poor as possible. This whole poverty gospel, you, you've heard of that. Like, God just wants you broke, you know, poor and humble all the time. But again, God didn't put you on this earth, you know, just so you could be broke, poor, and humble. He put you on this earth to make the biggest difference that you can. I believe that God will give you way more than you need so that you can be a help in times of need, right? God will give you more than you need so that you can see a need and meet a need. And you have money, you have margin, you, you're prepared to be able to do that, that God wants to bless you. Are you guys following this, yes or no, all right? All right, because this is, I really believe how this starts, why this is a good place for this teaching so God can break this spirit in our lives so that we can be financially free. It's about getting God's right spirit on. And let me show it to you in the Bible, First Timothy 6, 9, says this, people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires. So that's talking about the mammon spirit on it, like that's controlling this greed for it, that plunge men into 23% willing to prostitute themselves, 7% willing to kill a stranger, that plunge men into ruin and destruction for the love of money 
is a root of all kinds of evil. Again, it's the love of it, the desire for it. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. That's what mammon does. Mammon wants to take the place of God in your life. So here's the question. How do we not let that happen? Like you say, Colby, I don't, I don't want that. I really do want to approach my finances, how God would have me do it. I really want God's spirit on. I want him to bless it. You know, I, I, want, I want that. How do I get God's spirit on? So I'm gonna give you a simple equation if you wanna write this down. And the first part of it is return. Return. You return to God what's already his. God's saying basically everything in this world is mine. I created it. I have allowed you to use it. I've given you a a portion of it. And as a show of honor to me, I just want you to return some back. That's what the tithe is. I want you to return back what's already mine. We say the word return, right? Instead of give, is because you can't give something that doesn't belong to you in the first place. It belongs to God. It all belongs to him. And it's the first part of the equation of breaking that spirit of mammon, of breaking free. Malachi 3 10 through 11, you know, says that if we return the tithe to the Lord, we bring it to his storehouse. Now, I'll, I'll paraphrase this. His storehouse in the, in the word is, is worship house. It's his house. It's God's house. He's saying, if you bring the tithe to my house, like, test me in this. It's the only time he says, test me. See if I don't open up the floodgates and pour out so much blessing on you. But then he goes on to say, and if you do, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, like, that's what I want for you. I want God to stand before you and rebuke the devourer for you. I want you to be financially free. You say, why? Why, Colby? So I can tithe? Straight up? Yes. Never heard a pastor say that before, have you? But for reasons, it's not why you think. I want you to be in a position. I want you to know God's heart on this. So, so you just want me to tithe here? No, I didn't say here. Hey, hey, listen to me. If that's the thing that's holding you back because all you think is this church wants money, like time out. That's never been our heart. Like God doesn't want you to tithe this. It's not that he even needs it. He just wants something for you. He wants you to understand this principle so he can bless you. And I, I get it, I get it. For the first like three to four years of me following Jesus, every time the church would talk about money, I would get mad. I'd get ticked off. Be like, why are you talking about money? Do you know why I would do that? It was my God. Mammon was my God. I'm like, you're messing with my God. That's my stuff. That's, I worked for that stuff, right? That's some of the thoughts going through your head. So listen, don't, don't take my word for it. I understand. You're like, the preacher talking about money. I can't trust you. That's fine, and I really am okay with that. So grab someone else today. Grab someone else and just say, hey, are you a tither? Tell me why you tithe. Do it. Like, grab anybody. And again, don't tithe here. You should tithe to, to God's house that, that, that handles his, his money well that stewards it well. You should invest in the place that's, that's reaching people and meeting people. And if you can't buy into the integrity of that house, don't do it. That's fine. That's fine. But I'm just saying, his word says bring it to his house. 
bring it to the storehouse and see if I don't open up the floodgates. And if you talk to somebody that's not on staff here at this church and you say, hey, are you a tither? Here's what they'll tell you. They'll say, I'm not the wealthiest person in the world, but God has always been faithful. That God has always rebuked the devourer on our behalf, right? That God has always provided for me. That's what they'll say. Someone else might say with a big smile on their faith, Face, he opened up the floodgates and he, he gave me this, this amazing blessing. One day, just out of nowhere, God blessed me so I could be a blessing. Ask anyone. Don't, don't find, don't ask me. But ask someone else. I promise you, no one's gonna say, don't do it. Don't do it. It doesn't make a difference in your life because I want you to experience this. Please hear my heart on this. It's not about this church. It's about you experience financial freedom in your life. And I truly believe that it starts with breaking that spirit of mammon, that hold that we have. So ask yourself, am I returning the first? And again, return is the best word for it because it doesn't belong to you anyway. Are you breaking free? Give God first what's his. Look at Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. He says, honor the Lord with your wealth. And I love that word, honor. That means you're recognizing that all your provision, everything that he's given you, comes from him. It's this attitude that you have saying, God, I realize, man, every good gift that I have is passed through your hands first to me. So we honor our God with our wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Don't take my word for it, but take God's word for it. That's a promise of God. Deuteronomy 14, be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. And just so you know, our church does this, by the way. Like the first 10% of everything that comes in goes right back out to helping to plant churches, to the city mission. I believe everything that we do as a church is missions. I really do. But we just decided from up front that we are going to give the first 10 that comes in right back out to those in our community and around the world. Why? Because I want God's spirit on this church. I want God's spirit in my life. This is a principle that we have lived by as a family. So we return the first, and we still have 90%, right, that God blesses. And guess what? He doesn't bless everyone equally. He blesses people intentionally and according to ability as he chooses. He blesses you based on how you use what he's given you. So right now, watch this. God is up in heaven and he's looking around and he's watching, he's watching to see how you manage what he's given you. In fact, that's the second part of the equation, manage, write it down, to see how you manage it. And he sees somebody that's like, Oh, man, as I bless you with that, look at what you're doing with it. I'm going to bless you more. I'm going to give you more. That's great. That's great. Or he looks over here and sees someone else. Oh, you're going to do that with it? You know, nah, forget that. Never mind. But the Bible tells us he's, he's watching to see who's trustworthy with what they have, who's leveraging it to make the biggest impact they can. And let me be clear again. God wants you to have it. God wants you to enjoy it, to live an abundant life. But don't be deceived He's watching how you use it. Look at Luke 16, back to our original text. It says this in verse 10, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. That makes sense, doesn't it? Because you would do the same. 
You see somebody that's, that, that's trustworthy with a little, all right, I can trust that person. I'm going to give them a little bit more. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Well, of course, that's true. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will you trust? Who will trust you with true riches? Why should I give you more? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? In other words, God's saying, I'm watching, I'm watching you. And listen, listen, how he blesses you, this is not a heaven and hell issue. It's not. This is just, do you want God's spirit on it or not? Is what this is. Are you worthy of God's trust in this area of your life? Because God's watching. Just do the best that you can with what he's given you. Then ultimately what you get is true riches. Write it down. That's the last part. True riches. As I return, as I manage what he's given me, as I steward it well, then the ultimate thing I get placed in charge of is true riches. Do you know what that is? True riches is the only thing on earth that lasts. It's the only thing on earth that has the opportunity to have eternity. True riches is people. It's people. And God's looking around saying, hey, hey, I'm just looking for someone who will leverage what I've given them. I'm just looking for someone who's going to take that pool that they have in their neighborhood and let the little kids in the, in the hood come and go swimming, you know, Right? And tell them about God's love. I'm just looking for someone who's going to leverage everything that I've given, given them, everything to make the biggest impact they can. That's true riches. To make sure everything they have counts for eternity. Return, manage, equals true riches. So let me ask you this. Is that where your focus is? Is that where your focus has been? Is it focused on true riches? Are you someone that God really can trust with this? Have you been, have you been trustworthy with a little? Have you even realized that, that this is a spiritual issue, that it's not neutral, either you have God's blessing on it or you don't? No one can serve two masters. It's one or the other. That's it. This is as black and white as it gets right here. In the last verse, so Jesus looks across all believers and he says this right here, hey, it's okay for you to have stuff, but here's what you need to make sure you don't do. Don't store up your stuff for yourself here on earth. Make sure, you know, you don't store yourself treasures on earth where moss, moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus says the number one competitor for our heart is our money. And if you really wanna have a breakthrough in this area, if you really wanna break free, I promise you that this is the starting place to making sure you have God's spirit on it in your life. It's simple math. Return, manage, true riches. Why don't you bow your head with me today? And I just wanna give you an opportunity to create space for God to speak to your heart and in your life. And just let me ask you a few questions while you're praying, all right? Not, not moving around, not taking off. Just take an opportunity for God to speak to you. One is this. Are you returning? Do you understand that everything that you have has been provided by God? And so in an act of honoring him, are you, are you 
returning. It's not about him needing it. It's just showing honor. Or are you managing what you have well? Are you leveraging everything that you have to make an internal impact for the kingdom? To be that person as God is looking around, as he's scanning the earth, saying, are you trustworthy? Are you trustworthy? If you're, if you're faithful with that, I'm going to give you some more. If you're not faithful with that, I won't. And is your goal, is your focus really true riches? Knowing that everything that we have, listen to me, everything that we have on this earth is going to burn. It will not last. But what will last our souls, what will last our people's eternity? Are you spending it well, focusing everything that you have to make an impact for people's eternity? Man, that's the question, isn't it? That lays heavy on our hearts. And while we're praying, there are those of you in this room, maybe you feel extremely far from God in all of this. And you weren't happy walking in these doors, but maybe you heard the gospel for the first time when I said the best news is that Jesus paid for your sin, all of it. And the one incredible event that we're gonna celebrate in just a few weeks, he died on the cross, taking our sin and shame, and he came back to life. And by conquering sin and death, he conquered it in your life too. Your response to that is to receive it, is to understand the price that Jesus paid for your life and for you to surrender your life to follow him. And if that's the decision that you want to make today, I want to lead you in a prayer. Prayer is the way that we confess our sins. Prayer is the way that we confess Jesus as Lord in our life. And the Bible tells us that as we do that, we confess him as Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we would be saved, that you could have a fresh start, that your sins wouldn't be counted against you, that you would be made new right here and right now. So if that's you today, pray this prayer with me. You can whisper it. You can pray it in your heart. Jesus, today I surrender my life to you. I want to do this right. I know I need you as my Savior and as my Lord. Forgive me for my sin. Wipe that guilt away. Help me to start fresh today. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. I choose to believe from this moment on that God brought you back to life. And in that moment, I was raised to new life as well. In Jesus' name, with every head bowed, every eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer with me, would you raise your hand? I just want to acknowledge you. And just have you make that commitment before God. That's so good. Hands all around this room. People saying, hey, yes, I confess Jesus as Lord of my life, amen, amen. You can put your hands down. If you made that decision today, before you leave, there's a card in front of you called the Yes Card. Grab that, fill it out, take it to the hub, and we got some materials for you to help in this journey, all right? We are always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevateerie.tv. 